for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. On today's episode of Blue Collar Elk Hunting, we are live from our Elk Bros Elk Adventure Camp right here in beautiful New Mexico. You're going to have the opportunity to hear from folks just like yourself that are going through the paces, making the mistakes, learning the skill sets, finding out what it is to truly be an elk hunter. You're going to hear the things that they like, the things that they dislike, the issues, the problems, the solutions, and you're going to hear from all of us about those things as well. Now, I will tell you this. We are live. We're at Elk Camp. There's a heck of a wind, so there's going to be times when things sound just a little bit windy on that microphone. But we did the best we could, and we want you to enjoy the show and enjoy the things that you're going to learn from those folks learning just like you. So, here we go. Burning Daylight. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by com. With your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Welcome, everybody, to Elk Bros Adventure Camp 2023. I'm Big O, the host of your show, coming to you from a beautiful spot here in New Mexico. And my brother right here, Luis Gonzalez, has got a surprise for everybody, and he shows his face. Look at that awesome <laughs> decoy that was provided from our main man, Guy DePlanche. I'd like to introduce everybody as we go around the table. We got the Venezuelan Mafia in the house. WWJGD is right here and ready to go. We got the Doro boys from Minnesota, Kevin and Josh. We got the legend in the house, Mr. R.C. Knox, the ninja, Mr. Chad Chavez. Here we go. And I, I, this guy needs a proper introduction. Okay. I mean, he's been my hunting partner pretty much all week. And, uh, this guy's an American hero. His name 
is Colonel, retired Colonel, Bob Mabry, Dr. Bob Mabry, okay? An American hero, and we love to have you here, Dr. Bob. Thank you so much. We got the big man, Big Red Cody Basuska is in the house. And that's right, last but not least, one of our Elk Bros coaches in the house, the Colorado Madman, the Colorado Killer, the man with the silver voice. Absolutely. Got Mr. Guy Duplanche. Welcome everybody in the camp. Absolutely, man. It's been uh it's been a grind, but you know, typical from what our brother Travis O'Shea has daunted the Elk Bros uh call the grinder. It's been an absolute grinder in New Mexico, hasn't it, Joe? Yeah, but uh always, anytime you come to country like this, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to work for it, man. Yeah. Uh it's big. It's tall in places. Um, you know, when you've got a, this size of a crew, everybody, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, but all of this really was about, it's really more than the hunt. Absolutely. This, this is about the journey of these men yeah. that were here in camp this week. And, um, our role, our role is a totally different one. We're, we're, instead of the hunters, you know, we are, now the coaches were the mentors um and you know we've had a chance to and we're missing two we are i'd be remiss not to uh thank chris uh cox and sean stevens they had to leave early it's chris's uh daughter's first birthday so they couldn't be on the podcast with them wish them safe travels and it was a pleasure to have them in camp kk as well and, yeah, and yeah. kate and cody yeah. the kid kirkpatrick he's been in camp and uh i know he's hunting with the doros and um he's been hunting with one of our other adventure campers from last year yep. uh, in another undisclosed location in new mexico uh and um, yeah, Mr. Edgins, we can't thank Big Mr. Edgins enough for, you know, helping us for sure. Big shout out to Ed. Got a visit from Adam. Yeah, and got a visit, Joe, yeah, from Adam Messner, Adam Messner yep. our, uh, our successful, uh, hunter from last year who thought elk hunting was so easy, he went and killed him a bull on the first day and he's, uh, <laughs> he's had a little bit of that humble pie like we've all had this week, huh, Joe? Yeah. But you know, uh, you take a look at it, I don't think, I don't think there's a person in camp that hasn't had the elk encounter experience, you True. know. And if if I'm right, am I, Bob? You had a bull. How how close? Nah, about forty yards probably before he turned around and went back into the woods, walked out of our lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Had another four steps. He'd have been in the shooting lane, yeah. but a very very good yeah. sized bull came out right five minutes before last light. Yeah, and when I and when I talked with the Duros, we were taking off when we were going to that morning. We were going out to hunt, and and we got uh, Kevin and Josh. Kevin was the winner of the hunt with the Elk Bros, yes, so sir. he's had a chance to hunt with different ones of us. And uh, how many days did you guys do in Colorado? Uh, so we scouted a couple of days and then hunted five days. So we've yeah. seen some elk, but didn't hear any bugles. So. Heard no bugles or didn't have an encounter really, other than. You said that Josh, that Black story Clemson. was, how, tell that story. Come on, Josh. <laughs> up, I can't see uh, his microphone's broken. Uh, well, we got to some lakes after a big hike, and we decided we'd go check them out. 
saw a little bit of sign, not much. But anyways, we get up this hill and there was a grouse sitting there, so of course you had to throw something at it. <laughs> and so, this, and look y'all, this is typical, man. This is how elk hunting goes. He throws a rock at a grouse and? And I missed by, I barely missed it. It hit the, the biggest, most dead tree in the whole woods. Echoed and took a couple steps and nice big elk comes running by. <laughs> <laughs> so that big clump made that bull get up and start moving. Huh? He yeah. thought there was another bull in this territory. So we've been doing it wrong. We've been carrying yeah. diaphragm calls and throwing yeah. tubes. And yeah. got to throw rocks at throw rocks at We should have been so rocks and generators. <laughs> yeah. what was the ratchet thing? The ratchet. So then to keep on with this story, then we went up a ways, did a little scenario, did some things, hung out for a while. Then Josh thought of uh, KK's story last year with the ratchet, so then he took his pack, snapped his uh, snaps loud, and then the uh, the bull came partly back and started raking. <laughs> <laughs> so really, we just need loud snaps and ratchet straps. <laughs> loud snaps and ratchet straps. That sounds like a like Tony Wintrip song. Ooh, can we get shirt with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, loud snaps and ratchet So that was our first encounter in Colorado, and then uh, we got a glimpse of another one, and we raked that one partially in. And then we uh, jumped the cow later on. But as far as hearing active bugles during daylight, so far Joe's been the one to put us on that. And and actually had a bull coming down. It was a great, really, really cool. But y'all heard some bulls in camp here. Yeah, at night there's been a bunch of bugling going on at night and stuff here. So I think it's probably Joe's uh, nose jammer that made the difference. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for bringing that up. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. He said said nose 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 jammer. Pretty foul and dangerous. Yeah, you stay away, eat. stay upwind from stay up it, it works. Uh, <laughs> it works, man. Yeah. 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 RC, it wasn't your cooking, though, man. I just want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah, I'll oh definitely shout out to RC and Chad for yeah. all the cooking they've excellent done. Food. Excellent. Uh, it's been excellent food. Uh, we've yeah. not gone mm-hmm. a minute hungry here uh, at El Bros Adventures Camp, for sure. Um, I know Joe's. You know, leading into the content here about what we do at Elk Bros Adventures. Um, and it's coach, man. It's different. It's a different model altogether. Um, and some guys, uh, have really flourished in this model. Uh, even the two guys that are missing, they're calling grew so much. Uh, I know a guy got to hunt with, uh, Chris and Sean and I got to hunt with Chris a couple of days too. And, you know, when they, when they first got here, the calling part was rough. So you know. the calling part was rough for everybody. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and and what's so what's interesting about that is is, and and that's why I want to ask you guys about that because during the whole time, and for you guys that are, are listening to this and don't know about Elk Bros Adventure Camp, it is actually um, we have people that have purchased a hunt to be coached on elk hunting, and what we do is we. Um, we mentor them, we coach them, all different parts of our Elk Bro Success Squad in all different areas, um, uh, whether it's calling, whether it's gear, whether it's archery setup, failure points, physical fitness, all of these areas, um, and which was kind of cool too because Chab did physical fitness and I'm always asking Chab, well, have you checked anybody? He says, look, dude, Mabry, I don't have to worry about, man. <laughs> like, he's just, a horse. He's a horse. He's got it going on. Yeah. But... but 
you know, and we'll talk about that a little bit, you know. It, it that happens. injury, that injury yeah. bug, yeah. seems to crop up for somebody every year, Joe. Yeah, it ha- it happens. But so we do months of preparation. They get the academy, so they can go through that, um, and then it's boots on the ground, and they have an elk bros coach with them. And the whole idea and is we are not guides; we are teachers, we are coaches, and what we our our directive is is to empower okay and uh, y'all it's going to be a little windy i know you're listening to this it's going to get a little windy here so uh we're out in the woods but um it's to empower these people not enable and so anytime we do something our goal is to share our knowledge and to share those strategies and and the different systems that we use and for that So, we as coaches have to ask ourselves all the time, is their skill set being developed? What are they learning out of this? And really, the success in this camp, and and Luis came to me the other day, and he's like, Joe, man, he says, like, I just don't feel like we're successful unless somebody gets an elk, right? Um, I think, you know, gosh, Sean, I don't know how many elk Sean had in front of him, right? And I think, I think, like, Doc was probably six feet away from a dead elk yeah you know uh i think that with different circumstances i think kevin was probably 15 seconds away from it um and i think other people have been in those positions yeah so if one thing that i told him though is is that look the kill in this situation is icing on the cake if we have any of our guys that are at this point in their skill set if they raise up that much in their skill set, that's a success. For sure. Right? Each one of these guys here are freshmen in their elk hunting journey as far as I'm like if I connected to an athlete. Oh, and I forgot to mention too, you know, Cody, yeah. <laughs> we had a beautiful bull man in 40 yards and, and through thick stuff and then he stops at 60 and Cody, that wasn't his shot, didn't think of pulling back. And let that pass, and and I that bl- I blocked that. That yeah. is that That's is huge, huge growth. Yes, most most guys will be excited, draw, and let it go, and not care what happens. And, uh, it takes we applaud a, you for that, brother. It takes a, a level of maturity in your hunting career yeah. to know when to pass. And this is a guy dropping dimes yeah. at seventy yeah. yards. I mean, you're yeah. talking yeah. maybe a two inch group at seventy yards yeah. to make that decision. So that's a big deal. Yeah, and and and. Back to the comment I made to Joe, I mean, it's just more of around adapting to the mentality of coaching and giving the gift of the experience versus, you know, the killing, you know. And it's just, you know, we as hunters, sometimes we tend to relate the success to actually the harvest, harvest, but that's... That's the the switch that me as a coach and all of us as coaches here at camp need to flip and say, we're not guiding, we're not here for the harvest, we're here for the experience and for watching, like you said, the skill set grow. To to help you guys be able to go out and do this on your own, you know, and and your skill set grow, right? And if, uh, if we've not done that, then we have not done a good enough job. Right, but I've watched every one of you grow with your skill set. 
one of the beautiful things I thought we did at this camp that it, we did a little bit at the other camp, but we did a lot more of it here was afternoon coaching sessions. Oh yeah, with you guys and and especially on the calling part because if that's if there's a weaker point on with everybody, it's on the calling part. You know, I talked to Doc this morning. We had a really good hunt. He led us. He you know I I would do a little bit, but he started getting into the cow calling a lot better. His bugles are absolutely powerful. I mean, it'll blow the roof off the joint, right? But his cow calling needed some work and he's really worked hard at that. You know, we even did some tutorial stuff with him drawing and cow calling with me videoing him so he could mimic stopping a bull when he needed to if I was pulled off of him. A lot of these these situations that we come to with partner hunting is we may not have eyes on our shooter. We may need to be behind him, you know. So I, I wanted him to feel comfortable with the things that he was going to need to be be doing to be successful and he's been you know like i said he's been a model guy to have in camp to have to coach right and uh with a guy of, of that ilk it's hard to coach right because you feel intimidated a little bit yeah right a little bit yeah, my skill set my skill set allows me to help him but again man this guy is the real deal yeah. you know yeah well, I that. on the calling note you know, i gotta say so it's one thing <coughs> to go through the classes and, and go through the coaching and so okay here's a cow call here's a lost calf call here's a bugle it's way more to it than that yes sir um and that's just like that's just like the basic sounds of the elk language yes sir and and watching the coaches and how they put the scenarios together that's an eye-opener so there's a lot more work to be done with the calling to be able to get that to that level of sophistication to be able to sound like a herd of cows to be able to sound like a hot cow to be able to sound like a you know, uh, you know, bulls in different sets of circumstances. The, the repertoire that you guys have is pretty, pretty staggering, and it's going to take a lot of work to be able to kind of to get there. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, like I said, when you're coaching guys that have skill sets like his in the woods, mm-hmm. there I've not hunted with many guys that have a better skill set than he does in the woods. Right? I mean, this guy's an absolute assassin in the woods. So. Again, for me, it was just really honing in on what he needed to work on, and as it was an the calling part as yeah. an elk hunter, right? Yeah, and and I think you know that's uh, you know Cody is here, and and I want to, I know they're not here, but you take Chris and Sean oh, for example, man, grew huge, man. Oh, and, Guys I mean, couldn't even make a sound when they got here, bro. You had them out yesterday and today, where they were actually running they, their scenarios, they made right? The decisions, right? And that was the goal, right? I said, hey, let me take both the guys out. They're going to partner hunt. You know, in the upcoming years, it doesn't make sense for them not to put these scenarios on together, for them not to make the decisions together, and then prep them for their next elk hunt together, right? So when they go in the woods, they're prepared. And, and there is there is that portion that, you know, some of these guys that didn't get to do that have to figure out on their own. But it was, it was hugely beneficial. And one of the best things was, I'm not calling, boys. You're responsible for him, right? And you're responsible for him. Yeah. And them dudes come back to that to camp that day, and all I heard over there was mew mew mew, buzz buzz buzz. All right. <laughs> and they we went out to the woods after that, and it was it was perfection, man. I'm gonna set up here. He's gonna set up here. Why? Because X Y Z, A B C, and it was it was beautiful, man. Well, I know on day one, um, and and a lot of this is about conversations that we're having as coaches too um but we had the we had the ability for all of us uh, for two people to spike out and uh um guy and myself uh we went with cody and doc out there 
and uh, it ended up we were in animals and we got split and Doc ended up, uh, you guys were going to come back after the first night because uh, the next morning you had an injury. Right? No, we came back because Doc needed some serious call work, and, and I, I didn't want to do that in the field. Oh. But he got injured on the way back. Got injured on the way back, yeah. So he came back to work on calls, and, and as he found out, and he just said, <clears throat> right, that, and he's been saying it, you know, leading up to camp, that that is going to be your fail point, if nothing else. So we came back to camp for that. And see, that's what I want to, that's where I want, be, and I want to get some feedback from both you guys, from you, Doc, and you, Cody, on, you know, I talked a lot, and I tried to message, message, and really emphasize the whole calling thing. And where were you guys with that? And, like, in all of your preparation, where did that fall, and how did that change when you get here? And I think you just said a little bit about that, how that is, you know, because you don't really see the pieces put together until it's actual, right? I mean, making a cow sound or a lost calf sound or a bugle is way different than running the scenario. Yeah. And, like, having the knowledge of, like, when to pull out those different tools and how to put those together in a way that makes an effective scenario, that's kind of graduate-level stuff. I mean, making the calls is not... I mean, it's, it's challenging when you first learn how to do it, but uh, but uh, but that's just the entry point to where you need to be. I don't think that's being able to bugle and cow call by by itself is not by itself. I think sufficient for what you need out here. Where where was your calling on your priority list of the things that you were prepping for? Um, it was it was right up there with fitness and marksmanship. Okay, cool. You know, kind of those were my three top priorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was the weakest link I knew coming into the into camp. Okay. Do you feel like it's the weakest link now? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Do you feel like you've had growth there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know what I need to work on for next year for sure. If you came in as a 1 and a 1 to a 5, where are you at now? Oh, I, I'm, I'm not anywhere close to putting the, you know, the level of sophistication into scenarios that you guys are. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, maybe a 3. Okay. That's that's awesome. Real solid that's, awesome. that's success right there. That's solid and, and I can attest to that. I've listened to him for several days and I can attest to that. He he led us this morning. He led the he you know, he pretty much led everywhere we went. Uh, you know, he was real mindful uh, about where we were going. Um, I think that's another thing we'll touch on is how you guys use your your uh, electronics to control boundaries and stuff because it's important. We're hunting on some uh, semi-private and national forest land, right. so we need to know where we're at most of the time. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you're, you've always got <laughs> private lands that you got to know where they exist. And sometimes the fences don't always <laughs> yeah. exist out yeah. there. But So, Cody, uh, in, in this show, because we're doing Elk Rose Adventures, I need to hear from the campers. We need to hear from the campers. Yeah. Because there's a few areas, like we're going to come back as to um, what the expectation to the reality was, what you thought you were getting into and what actually, how that was different and stuff. So think about that a little bit. But let's talk about the calling with you, man, because you and I got to spend some cool time together out on the hill. Um, we had one night when we got rained on like crazy. Hail um, rain. It, it, it dropped down in temperature. We had a real cold night one oh. night. and uh, But... Uh, it was a great time out there, uh, and we got some cool time to work on the call-in, huh? Yeah, it was a good opportunity. Um, 
coming into this, you you were talking about priority of of calling, and and before I entered camp, uh, I thought my calls were pretty good, but I got a big <laughs> slice of humble pie when I got here. I'm like, oh, I guess it doesn't sound that good. It always sounded good to me, but um, so I so I uh, so I uh, um, had to work on a lot of things there, and and. Uh, um, and working side by side and hearing those calls um, from the coaches and and having their critiques as I'm doing the calls um, really helped help develop the, the the sound and the depth of those calls and then okay. and then seeing the different lengths and variations and so much more and, and being right there and trying them you know, having the coach do the call and then being able to copy that try to copy that call. Yeah, and I, I believe you said I'm a better uh, bugler than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if you're going to try to get somebody to do something where they're where they're you know you got to help their confidence. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mic down. Edit point. Edit point number one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, and when you were doing that, because you said you thought your calls sounded pretty good. So for the people that were out there, what what would you say was, let's, let's take one at a time. Let's take your, your bugle, all right? What did you find was your problem, and how did you... How did you change that? What did we do to be able to? Yeah, so so I could make a bugle before I came to camp that I thought sounded pretty good, and I don't think it was horrible. But the way I was doing it was taking extra energy and air and causing it so I couldn't bury it at the end, and and basically, and and then my uh, um, timing on the different sounds of the bugle weren't really lining up. So I think those are the two things that improved the most. And, and, um, air control was what really helped me with, uh, um, with that. So before I was forcing the sounds that I needed to, rather than finessing the sounds. And, and I, I believe the pressure of the tongue on the, on the latex of the, of the call is what really changed my bugle. Yeah. That was a big commonality. I saw Bob do it. I saw Chris do it. Sean not so much. Cody was doing it, and it's this big load to the lungs instead of the and hold yeah, the breath. Big, even yeah. even on yeah. the cow call, yeah. and then you watch him come off. Out. Yeah, you watch him yeah. come off with just some news and shirts. Yeah, and oh, <laughs> <laughs> right. so it. so yeah. much effort, right? And that was that was a huge commonality across the board. And 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 Bob's a big man. Yeah, right. big strong man with yeah. big strong lungs, and the, he grabbed that bugle and hit that. Bugle. I thought he was gonna blow the end off that SOB. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, man. I tell, I tell him every day. Hit me with one of them big boy, yeah. big bad boy bugles, Bob. When he got you that know. under control. Yeah. yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. That's a good bugle. It's powerful. Yeah. powerful. I, I bet you could put a ping pong ball inside that tube I think he throws and launch that there. thing like 40 yeah. feet, like a you know? like a daggum. Uh, what do you I call mean, this guy was yeah well but it, it's a hard skill to learn watching you know videos online mm-hmm. and then with an app I mean and having one on one coaching on how to actually do that and work with your individual idiosyncrasies is huge yes. so mm-hmm. it's hard to find someone that does a lot of elk bugling and elk calling in South Texas you know yeah. to work with one on one and all these video gurus they all have different techniques and yes, so right. you know you, you end up kind of chasing right. your tail and like well he says to do it this way and he says to do it a completely different way. Yeah. Where, well, where do you go ahead? 
I'm not, not talking about, not, not talking about you know, guys necessarily. I'm just talking about all the, you know. <laughs> where, do you, where do you think the emotion falls into it, right? Because I, I feel like that's one of the things that's lacking. You don't you don't get to pick up emotion when you hear, you know, Estrus Buzz or Cal Mew, right? And, and that emotion coming through those calls is huge. Where do you guys think that that falls you know, as you were listening and watching everything well, play that, out. That's the graduate level calling, which is what I'm talking about. And, that, and that's going to be a lot. That's going to be listening to a lot of elk sounds. And then kind of thinking through those scenarios in your mind and just mimicking those scenarios. I mean, that's how I'm going to probably approach it this next year. One of the things we've talked to the guys before they got here was being sure that they're taping themselves and listening to what they sound like versus some of the other uh that are out there. But, right. but you're right. But with the book, what? Bob said, you know, Chris and Sean said it. I think Cody said it too, right now. I thought I sounded good. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But so I don't think many of them take themselves and well, listen to it back. And right. and they did. Okay, so the problem is when you take yourself and listen to it back. It's like sitting in you're, a shower. You're, yeah, you're, you're, you're hearing yourself. Everybody's right? Mariah Carey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think I think that was the benefit. Like when Cody and I got to be side by side. I'm like, okay, do yours. All right, now listen to this. Yeah. Okay. And then. That helps Sean too. And and instead of just saying, do what I did, I'm watching his mechanics. Right. And, and so for example, when he talks about all the effort that goes into a bugle, it's because, and for all you guys listening out there that are trying to do this, so many, if you're using a low tone, a growl, or any of the bass tones, in order to have that, there's more space between your tongue and the latex, which means more air is passing through. So the longer you stay at low tones um, or growling or anything like that, your that air is just you know it's just flying out. So and I hear a lot of people that are really on the on the beginning of the bugle, they're really like. <laughs> before they even they get run out there, of air. right? And they're running out of air. And so really by the time Cody got to the actual high pitch, the thing that the animals need to hear, it was like not even a second long. Yeah. I mean, it was just boom and yeah. and down. Right. And so there were places he had trouble at the front. Right. And he had trouble at the end. And the, and the trouble at the end came from running out of air. Oh, yeah. So it was like a real sharp, oh, uh, on the end of yeah. it with that sound that sounded like a bark. Right. So he, yeah, yeah, so he was really, and I mean, in order to get sounds, he was, I mean, he's got to have a lot of air because I, I could swear, man, I, like I said, I bet if I put a ping pong ball in there, he could have shot that puppy 40 yards. Sure. Could have killed an elk with it. <laughs> <laughs> Once we got him to realize that, that, and most people that are doing this, like if you could see on a scale, Right. If you had a scale of one to ten, and by the time they got to the high pitch, they would go all the way that slope all the way to ten. ten yeah. I tried to get him to get that slope at three. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now he's able to now be at high pitch from three to ten, mm-hmm. or come down on the end of it. Right? right. And he had to learn that tongue control. That it's just relaxing that tongue off of it or pressing that tongue forward into it. And once you got so that you were like right to that high pitch, man, you were like... Lights out. Oh, man. And it, it fl- I, he could call for a long time. In fact, I'd tell, bro, that's too long. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, at one Three point. Three to five. Yeah. What, what else did you say? 
I said, I believe your bugle sounds better than mine. <laughs> was it the one or just the cross the board? Well, what was so funny was then, you know, he's feeling all cocky. And so the whole time I'm like, anytime we're calling, we're partners out there. I'm like, bugle, bugle. You know, anytime you feel like you want a bugle. And there was one time we, we thought there would be an animal. And I was like, okay, bugle. And then <laughs> so okay, so for the for folks listening, right? When that happens, what do you do? If you if you send that bad call, get right after you it. Get right back after get it right with one. It. Don't sleep it up. Like Don't. another bull's right there with it. Yeah. That one that had a little emphysema or whatever. You know, at the end of the day. I mean, I've heard a couple of cow calls and I've made comments to guys just in laughing at that cow had emphysema or you know maybe a bad bronchitis because I've got it right now. But at the end of the day, um, these guys have worked extremely hard, and I would be remiss not to say that we have a new coach in camp that took hunters this week uh-huh. and I'm very proud of him, Manano. So uh, the guy's calling has the guy has the guy has come full circle uh to being one of the best woodsmen I've ever hunted with to now calling his butt off. So um we're super proud of you brother. Thank you, bro. You yeah and we had I mean that was Cody too, yep. you know, for the first time. You know uh, Cody was actually in guide mode before he got here, so yeah. I'm doing Elk Grove's adventure guiding, yeah. and came in here and jumped in, and, uh, and I, I was with him, and he, and he did it perfectly. Yeah, yeah, he did it pretty well. But at the same time, we had another first year coach, and that was Luis. Yeah. And um, and I'm real curious now that we're on the calling because I heard Guy talking about Sean and Chris this morning. Yeah. And he was talking about how Sean was knocking it out of the park. Yeah. And you were the first one to work with Sean for yeah, a few two days, days two right? Days, yeah. So what were you finding? And talk about his growth. Yeah. Um, so Sean is extremely smart, and he was a sponge, right? And you can tell Very he had a passion so. for 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 this type of you know Color. sport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on top of that. The guy had done Ironman, and and he was in, in really really good shape. And he just he wanted to explore. He wanted to eat the mountains alive, you know. And so it was it was Day awesome. Three, he wanted to woe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know we did it right. Yeah. I mean we uh um we had you know, from day one, first morning, we had an encounter, a close encounter. Um, you know we we had a conversation before this happened and so we made the calls and and one of the things that that Sean and I talked about is you know he felt like he was like so green to the whole process that he didn't feel comfortable kind of just leading the hunt and being just being coached from kind of the background he kind of more wanted that initial you know he needed you know, an example. He, he needed, he needed, yes, especially in for the cow calling, for the bugling. He just needed to see it and hear it. Uh, more of a visual guy. You know, we, we talked about setups. We talked about, hey, you know, if the bull's coming this way, what is the first thing you're doing? You know, so prompting those questions every morning before something took place and then saying, okay, well, how about this? Or how about that option? And so he, Again, I, I think he did an excellent job. That close encounter, if it wasn't for the fact that the sun was starting to come out and shun his Shined face, it. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was like, Silhouetted his face. and I think, I think that's kind of what, that was spooked the elk, but uh, that elk was, you know, within 38 yards 
and coming towards him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a super close encounter. The second day, um, we we threw a bugle, and I hear a noise on the right-hand side of the ridge, and we turn, and there's two elk on a hundred yards out. And so we we set up, you know, we make a call, and the elk turn, and they start coming uphill. You know, I think the wind was wrong at the moment, and they just skirted the the little ridge that we were on. So, I mean, I think a lot to say about, you know, and I had this conversation with RC as well, is, you know, sometimes we do, the pre-hunt, we do a lot of work on all the theory and all the discussions and preparation to the hunt. And I think that box is being checked excellently. Um, I think that that what we want to see is you guys, when you come into camp, kind of leading your own hunt, but having us there as a sounding board, you know, to take make your decisions. But depending on the level of the hunter coming in, mm-hmm. I think there is worth in. It's kind of like when a pilot, you know, goes through all the material, but you first put him as a co-pilot on your plane right. before taking off and flying with him and eventually you hand over control and then that person takes over. I think, you know, Sean and I came to that kind of agreement. Everybody's going to be different. Right. But Sean and I came to that agreement and again, I think what he, what he saw and what he did the first couple of days just, you know, catapulted yeah. him to a level that I feel that he's he grew a lot in the first in the first few days, just because he's. You can see it in his eyes. Yeah, I mean, when we would do, uh, and it was so cool. I I, mm-hmm. I want to do this first of all too, and say that I could not be any more proud of my entire um, Elk Bros crew. Um, Chab, RC, Guy, Gil, uh, the Mafia, KK. You know, everybody that uh, I come back. You know, uh, and. I see coaching sessions going on, and uh, I, I just got to tell you, man, it just made me really, really proud, you know, to, to see that happening, um, to see that level of commitment. Um, and, look, you know, it's, coaching sometimes is a lot like parenting. You know, when you're doing something like, there is no book. We're creating the book, yeah. right? And, yeah. you know, there's some mistakes that are going to be made along the way, but none of it with in, in malice, all of it for wanting to do the best for people. Yes. So, um, and, and that's one thing that, you know, guys, that when we talk about that knowledge set, and we talked about that, it's like, well, we can't just tell guys, okay, run the hunt right. without any kind of knowledge to be able sure. to do that, right? Sure. So... I mean, even though we've been given information, how to put those pieces together with all the variables that are happening out there with terrain and weather and, and, and how the elk behavior is and the different things like that. So we work on giving knowledge options for you to think about so that you can get involved in that. And so that's one of the things that we use as a tool. One of our objective coaches here, and I mean, he's been like a fly on the wall listening to everything who I've hunted with for many years and you, I'd like to hear from him, but Chav, you've, you've seen these coaching sessions, have sat in on them and offered some fantastic advice. So really like to hear some. Yeah. Joe almost got to the point that I was wanting to make. When you guys set up that uh, coaching session, the three of you, yes, sir. Uh, I thought that was real important because I could see growth from day one to day three. 
you know, the first day, you know, we're back here hop singing and Mr. Cartwright, you know, <laughs> and they're out there cooking and, and I, I'm hearing uh, them starting off and I'm like, and I look over and see what RC's doing. <laughs> but, but by the third day, I'm looking around the tent like, oh, wow. who was that? Who was that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could see the growth. I, mean, I thought that was really important. Thank you. you guys are, did a really good job teaching. Yeah, I think it, it but it, then again, the you got to be coachable, and, and yes. I thought you guys were doing That's a good job. That's what I was going to say. It, yeah. takes, it takes a willingness on, on their part to really keep right. us motivated, right? Because it's, you know. And I thought that was really great. That I saw the, I could see the improvement, really see it. Yeah. No, I'm, I was always. And RC, I mean, uh, you're always like on my shoulder a little bit, kind of telling me here and there and stuff like that. And because and, RC is one of our coaches as well with a lot of experience. And uh, I tell you, but he, he helps us out by, I mean, what, you're, what we have here at camp is because of that guy's dedication. And, yes. and uh, but what, what did you see? What were your observations that, that you make up? I thought it was very fun that, you know, we're, we're cooks, but yet when these guys sat down with these guys, there was, there was a moment or two that I thought, well, I could step in and be a coach and say, okay, you need to take the diaphragm out of your mouth and just growl because he couldn't growl. Yeah. He didn't know how to growl. And so he took it out and he actually was growling in his grunt tube and he's like, oh, okay. And it was like the light came on, you know, so. I enjoyed that part of it that we were not only cooks but we were part of it too so well and and, and that's what's cool is I, I think the biggest benefit that every camper got was the diversity in coaching methods what I couldn't reach on Gil could or guy could or you could I mean because you're sitting there and it's funny because people a lot of times when they're talking forget about the cook as far as the conversation <laughs> yeah. goes, right? Me and Gil, um, huh? coaching, and we're yeah. open RC and chat time. Yeah. And they're, <laughs> sit, they're sitting back they're there sitting going, back there. I know they're flying on the wall. Yeah, and, and right? Chav's saying, like, on, you know, do something different. Yeah. He's telling us, you know, some uh, some that's of his points I mean. as well. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we look to the – those are our mentors, man. That's, so, But that's uh, what I mean. It's like, you know, they get a, a chance to observe in a yes. different mode yes. and yeah. to jump in and help oh, them. We were looking, yeah. we were looking over our shoulders at them too. <laughs> yeah, the right. whole bag of time, right. like you, bet. you guys think about this. Yeah. <laughs> I, and then and you, you can watch them in there. They're all going. Nah, <laughs> oh yeah, around looking. Yeah. So I mean, no, that, screw the cook thing. I mean, that's a benefit. That oh, don't they, screw the cook thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. I was about to say it's a benefit that the boys can cook. But having them here in camp and being able for me and Gil to come in and say this is what we're coaching what do you guys think about it and bounce that off of, uh, of RC and Chav is huge for us absolutely right much. they've mentored more people than than me and I could even you know yeah. yeah right and, and it's a good thing because they they screw menus up the whole time apparently that was me and Gil <laughs> yeah yeah Joe was mad because we had the shrimp bowl while he was out and he, and he found out He's like, what? I'm gonna choke somebody. <laughs> but we were just kidding. Him. Uh, we had we had uh, pulled pork on the night that he thought we were having the shrimp. Pork. So we so, had flip flop. So uh, we're out there for two days, and uh, we're spiked out. Eating and I think weenies. on that second day, I had to eat. I had uh, two of those uh, granola fig bars. 
right? <laughs> you knew you, you knew you was going. Yeah, eventually, I, was, I had plenty of. Food. I don't know. <laughs> <where> <laughs> you was going. Somebody was prepared. That's right. For the record, no, no. For the record, okay? Because every time I'm on the damn podcast, what does he give me gum about? All what I care. All I'm going hunting. I'm not gonna carry nothing. I'm gonna just. I'm gonna hunt with God. I didn't right? even carry food, bro. Hey, we walk out of camp. His pack is 65 pounds in my man. He had a pack on the back. He told me we're going to go out probably for a day and a half. He's in the woods. He takes two sandwiches that Chav and RC make, and he has to cut them in four pieces. So he has enough food to get through it. And then who knows what the hell was in that pack. Hey, even coming back empty, even coming back with a backpack empty, it took him about, I saw him, it took him about... 45 minutes to go up a hill that was only about Here 50 feet. <laughs> and he had two canes, oh, too, and he was, like, going really I got it on video, by the way. I, 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 just, want, I just want to say, too, I, I I sent Luis to one of my bunny hills. That's what I call the bunny hill. The you know, bunny where, hill. where you send the beginners. Y'all don't know. You, know, you send the beginners no, to go up, and no. because we bunny had such hill. great elk encounters, and... and and I heard the Doros had to stop and wait for yeah, you, man. They did. Yeah. They did. And I, I was so proud of them. But I was so mad at you. <laughs> I was so mad. <laughs> hey, I, another thing that he's not here with us, and I wish he was, uh, but one of the cool things is Manano Gratarone has been able to bring his father oh, yeah. to elk camp. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Good. Talk a little bit about that, Manano. Man, this hunt for me has been a bless. To be able to hunt with my father, it's just... Uh, an outstanding hunt for me. Yeah, so. and let him let everybody know your father's from Venezuela. Yeah, he's from and Venezuela. He don't get to come he, here uh, all the time. You know? he, yeah, he's visiting me for. He's been here for two months. I haven't had the conversation whether he's stay or not, but right. uh, but I think he he's enjoying the hunt like. We've 100%. enjoyed having him, man. Yeah, you know uh, what's been cool is the having Don Raul having mm-hmm. conversations with. Because of the language barrier, mm-hmm. yeah. but yet None. It, but within like, the hunting thing, right, we a, all get it. Yeah, it's like it's it, a universal yeah, language. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a privilege, and I uh, I wanted to thank you all for allowing my my father being here with us. So being yeah. a, I, it's a I it's a privilege you, for me. You go shake that man's hand in the morning. I love that handshake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see him in the morning. I make yeah. sure after we shake this, yeah. I go shake that hand. I yeah. hadn't yeah. I hadn't met Don Raul personally. And um, I have to say that uh, he's a special man. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we actually have moved you back in the lineup. <laughs> we, we brought Raul. Right. The level of respect I have for Manano after this, he is an absolute contender for that number one spot. Gangster. This, Gangster. Dude, this dude put on more miles than I don't care. Anybody in camp on a bike? On a bike? No, Look at that Are you at his track. Sixty-five miles in five days. Only one day. Oh, you Don Raul is the leader of the Venezuela. Now, Manano, Manano is going to be always the lowest ranking. Actually, that name is solid for the leader, right? Hey, you better be careful or you're going to have to deal with, with Don 
with the mafia. Like I said, I... Joe, I wanted to add to your comment about the the coaching thing. I've been hunting my whole life. And, uh, and I'm considering myself after six or seven season a rookie elk hunter. So being only one season, being coach, it's not enough. Just, I mean, take that in consideration that it will take long time to master sure. this skill. So Absolutely. it's, a, it's, it's not a hunt, it's not a pig hunt or white tail deer from a tree stand. It's a, it's a whole different level. Even my father yesterday made, made a comment, uh, he, he, he has been on since, since, I mean, since he was 10 years old, so he's 71. He had 60 years of experience. So he told me yesterday, he, he's a rifle hunter. And we were in the range and he told me, hey, this is not a joke hunt. This is, this is a real deal. <laughs> this is elk hunt. It's with a bow. It's a, it's an outstanding hunt. So you have to take that in consideration in order to, uh, flatten the curve, the learning curve. So it'll it'll take some time. That's great so. information because a lot of people that come here they really feel like, well, I'm hunting with the elk bros, right? Mm-hmm. These guys are gonna drag them in by their hair on fire and their butt screaming. You know what I mean? And that's that's not the case. We don't have control over the animals. We do the best uh-huh. thing, best thing we can. We put the miles in. We get in the right positions, and sometimes it just doesn't work out, right? Well, these are these and- are wild animals that are here. Everything is. God's put them all here, and they they feed on one another. There's everything here trying to catch them and kill them, and including us. And we're the apex predator. They know that. They adjust to our habits as well as you know. We try to ying when they yang, and sometimes we don't zig when they zag. And uh, it can be it, even the most experienced elk hunters we have here, like R.C. Knox, Joe Gillia. I mean, these guys are our mentors, and it's been tough. Right, so and we've all, we all struggle at this at times, right? Are there times where you know we knock it out of the park? Yeah, but I mean, I'm telling you, more more often than not, it's been uh, it's been tough. Well, and against you. yeah, everything's yeah. against you. Well, and the thing is too, when you come here with the elk bros, it's not the elk bros that are doing it for you. No. They got to do it. Yeah. And and I and I'll tell you, I think the whole part of it, I really think one, two, three, I think four elk. It, it just a, yeah, yeah, could could be in camp, and and part of that is developing one mule deer. It, it's that it's it's going from the hunter to the killer, yeah, right, and and that's that experience level of what to do, when to do, and how to do it, and that takes time. And that's like Manano was saying, it's not learned just right away. No, it's not. It, it's something it's that over time. it takes some experience. This is my to 14th season. Never felt more comfortable in the calling aspect of it. Got still got a lot of work to do on my game. But at the end of the day, um, the calling aspect of it and the shooting aspect of it, I feel like it's pretty strong. And, you know, with the help of Doc, we'll get this health issues lined out and be back better than ever. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. 
The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. That's false modesty. (laughs) (laughs) There ain't no shit. I mean, there there ain't many better callers than this man sitting next to me. You listen to him in the woods, huh? I mean, you listen to this guy in the woods, and it's, I mean... Which you, makes me extremely proud. Yeah, there ain't, you know, there ain't, well, because... I ain't bullshit. Uh, I'm sorry. You edit, know... Edit point number two. My bad. Yay! When, Don Raul, the leader of the Venezuela mob. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. When I, when I, when I, when I hear Luis... When I hear Gil and their calling from when I first met them to <laughs> everything, I mean, I can remember the first day I told Luis, I was like, "Okay, bro, start." Yeah, you I, go. And I he looked. That day. He looked at me and he goes, "What? What?" Yeah. <laughs> and and it was by a part. Yeah. At, in the afternoon, we went yep. out and just just to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I was there. like when we went to Canada with Manano. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, come on, Dude, man, I, let's, let's do this, Absolutely let's do this. And he was like, oh, I don't oh, want no, to, no. I don't want to. Oh, and, no. and finally, he, he did it. He's been doing enough of it yeah. that, and we're like. So proud of him. So proud of him. And so it was like the whole way, it's Bonanno, practicing and practicing, and it was great. Yeah. I mean, it was good. Well, as coaches, if we don't get better, we can't get better for our our, our, our clients that come in that want to be coached. So we've all got to find something within our skill set that we need to get better at. So, um, so you know. Let's, let's, let's go to something. Like, Kev, I'm going to go to you now because I'm going to go from you and I'm going to go to, uh, I'm going to go to <laughs> our other guys here that, uh, were being coached. Like, for you, you got a chance to hunt with some of us and, um, I don't know what you were expecting and, uh, and, how much the reality <laughs> uh, where that was with uh, what you thought it was going to be like when you came here uh, as far as the elk bros and you know you you listened to us for quite a while i think you've been listening to the podcast for what so i've been listening uh, a couple of years um i guess i'm not sure what i thought for expectations i mean i just like to uh get out and explore the woods and uh and go hunting so that's what we've done so Meet new people. I enjoy hearing other people's stories, seeing their techniques. So. Pleasure to be in camp with you, brother. So, yeah, super so, like I said, I don't know. I don't know if I really had expectations, so to say, other than let's get out there and see some country. So, a lot of people like, um, you know, we have our podcast. You know, a lot of people who they are on the podcast. You had a chance to be around us. So, uh, uh, how much did we uh, disturb you? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I could have probably too, been so. warned that I could have had some, like, Vicks for my nose, whatever the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, no, you know, anytime you can get out, uh, enjoy life, so, um, never take any day for granted. I mean, that's the main that's thing. Awesome. You never know when you can't walk anymore, you can't go in the woods. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you really that's need to appreciate. Point. And these guys can walk. Yeah, he can walk. Yeah. I can these tell guys you that. can put the miles in for sure, yeah. both of them. Pretty impressive. Yeah, so, they can uh, go. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean they they went up the bunny hill no problem twice, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, uh, bunny hill. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I'm, I'm so proud you know of you for right. that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go to our, our campers there, um, and uh, Robert and Cody. I mean, 
last year when we had guys come in, it was like this is not what we expected. Um, where was that with you? What what was the reality versus what you thought in your head it was going to be like? Was it better? Was it worse? Where where are the points that we need to work at? Where did we excel at? And uh, and and honestly, that's that's the type of things that would make us better. I didn't know what to expect, frankly. It was my first elk hunt, first archery hunt. Um, so very pleased with the camp set up. I wasn't expecting to pour to potty, so that was nice. Um, I liked the opportunity to spike camp. I think probably that's a style that I would like enjoy, you know, to get out and get away from everybody and, and kind of stay out there for a while. Um, so I got a chance to see how that was done, and, and I think that was, uh, that was good. Um, and then seeing different, you know, calling styles and, and learning different tips from the different coaches has been good. So, and then, uh, you know, meeting, you know, everybody else here has been a good experience as well. So, I mean, I didn't have a, uh, I didn't have a lot as far as fixed expectations in my mind, uh, but uh, overall very pleased with the experience. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Yeah. So, uh, really, th- there wasn't anything that you could say of it's not what I thought it was going to be. No, no, no. I mean, I, I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish in that I, I got to see what it was like. I had a, had a pretty good encounter with a, with a big bull. Um, bull. Uh, big but, bull. Yeah. <laughs> big ass bull. <laughs> but, but, but even that was useful, right? So we saw how the scenarios played out, and we, this guy came out like just before dark. Yeah. I mean, just before like dark. they always do. Um, and, um, Which is a huge point. I, yeah. I, and I hope everybody's hearing this. Yeah. Because how long had y'all been there? Oh, two hours at least. And that, we yeah. left here at I think three, no, two thirty yeah. that day. Half an hour walk to that spot. Yeah. And that was six forty-eight, I believe. He broke cover. Yeah. Something like that. Just yeah. before last life. Yeah. And and there's so many people that in a situation like because you guys were doing scenario stuff for yeah. you. Yeah. Very, very lightly. Uh-huh. Right. This bull was was I don't know 200, 250 yards up on the ridge, bedded down somewhere. So we we had an idea where he was at. I knew the spot that we were in because of last year, and uh, I kind of knew what I wanted to throw at him. And Bob and I walked through, you know, why we're going to set up the one. We I did something wrong, and I didn't follow the entire plan, and didn't fall back. But man, it got cold. It got windy. Um, and it was sucking. <laughs> well, and, and yeah. that's just it. Like, yeah, think about the time. Think about the time. Think about the conditions. The time and the conditions alone, most people wouldn't. Stay de- yeah. Be I, right. I mean, there's audio. Everything's quiet. Nothing's happening. After a half hour, a lot of people are like, eh, move it, right? God, but what clued you into sticking there? You heard him mew a few times, right? He, he gave us a real light, bedded location. Right. And. I mean, quite honestly, I wasn't going to fail Bob. Right. Right. If we didn't get a shot, I was going to get that call in. Sure. I wasn't failing Bob. And I think that's one of the things that's important. At least it's important for me to say about our coaches uh, and the whole Elk Grove staff is we don't want to let you guys down. Right. We want to coach you. We want to teach you. We want to give you the knowledge that we have. But when we're out there and we're helping, like, I don't know. I don't know that anyone wants it more than these guys that are behind you supporting you and passing that info down. So I'll get that out of the way. But it was not wanting to fail him and then understanding that that bull was bedded and we had a, a legit opportunity. We knew the landscape and I knew he was going to either feed down this way or feed down that way and he was susceptible to come into that call. Right. So it was just setting it out. Right. I mean, that's, it's outcome. 
A lot of guys wouldn't know that. They couldn't hear it or they wouldn't know that. They just keep pressing on and they never have that encounter by being vigilant. You know, yeah, go back tonight and try it one more time. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be the spot. Yeah. Yeah. And I, or they try to push it and go in and, yeah. and blow him and out blow because him. he's got the advantage in the bed. And we, guys, did, and we did that day too. When we, we, we heard him down in there and I told him, I said, enough of this. I ain't waiting for him. We're going to go in there and kill him. We had, an okay wind, and I really thought he was down in there with some cows, and if I could put eyes on him, this guy's a good enough hunter that if he can get eyes on something, he's going to slip in there and kill him. You yeah. know, um, So it's what we tried to do, and he just double-crossed us. You know, and that's the other big learning point, too, is just, <clears throat> is just how important the wind is. I mean, it's one okay. thing that says you got to play the wind, but when the wind is, like, going all different yeah. directions at 50 miles an hour or whatever, they got the advantage. I mean, it's it's very tough to, to figure out how to do that properly. Um, and so, you know, understanding how the wind and the terrain works together and how you plan your hunt and, you know, plan your approach, you know, that's been very useful as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's a little subtle, a lot of little subtle nuance points, you know, outside of fitness archery and calling that, that, uh, that variables. Uh, and and yeah. that's, that's one thing that people have to understand, like where we are controls a variable. Um, where, where the me thermals. and Kevin and Josh Hell were yeah. this morning is a different variable. Um, because of the type of land and what we're trying to do. And, and it's a constantly changing calculus depending on the time of day yeah. and what the elk are doing. The thermals, the way they switch thermals up and down. And the wind. Time of the year. Time of the year, yep. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. what the elk are doing and what, yeah. you know, what they're accepting, what they're not accepting, what's pushing the buttons, what's not pushing the buttons. Sometimes you gotta just try different things, you know. Cool, which man. I think adds to the challenge, which makes it, makes it more fun. Yeah, and Absolutely. we've thrown the kitchen sink at them, man. I mean, it's guy, myself, you know, Bob, we've thrown the kitchen sink at them and been close, right? But again, these, this windy, this wind seems to, and some lead cows that are, you know, a little smarter than we are, they, uh, they tend to, they tend to whip you, you know? So if you stay at it though, man, I, I really feel like if we're vigilant and we stay at it, anytime we walk in the woods, I feel like we got an opportunity to harvest an elk. And, but, know? and you have to remember, I mean, I, we've had hunts. I've had hunts where you go seven days without seeing an elk. Exactly. Seven days. And then, boom, over then the next something ridge. changes in 30 seconds, zero to hero. Yeah. So, you know, you just got to stay vigilant. You Dude. have to stay believing in your ability. You have to keep doing the game plan and and try to make that happen. Um, Cody, so for you, you know, from you know, same thing, man. Um, was it what you expected? Was it different? What what parts of it? What did it do for you? And well, the highlight of it was that warm shower we found out about on the second day. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. There's a shower. Right <laughs> 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 here. There's a <laughs> man. I'm to leave. I had one even the bear down there. We're out. Um, so, other than that, you know, um, I, I guess I missed that in the initial camp briefing. <laughs> you know, actually, we missed that in the camp briefing. It was a oh, yeah. great surprise for us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and we realized real real quick that uh, you don't make adjustments to it. So. That was I, one of the I, I said that, man, whoever I took, I said, don't touch this thing, man. Cody was it outside. Was KK was outside, butt naked. 
trying to get it to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I think Ed put the drone in the air and I was butt naked outside trying to get that thing going. <laughs> 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 All right. So, uh, um, but I, I think I think our, our all of our meetings ahead ahead of time really. Um, establish the expectations of what camp would be and what you guys expected out of us um, and what we needed to prepare for. Um, should we have prepared for some certain things a little bit heavier? Yes, but I think we, uh, um, you know, like the calling. Um, but uh, I think being here and, and working with the different coaches, like um, the one day you were working with me, Joe, um, and... Uh, talking about how to smile and drop my jaw when I'm doing the cow calls and and I was doing that and I was improving and the next day I was with uh, Luis and he said why don't you try bringing the call back farther in your mouth because I I have a tendency for my call to be up farther and that improved my call a little even a little bit more so um working with the different coaches I think was a really important aspect of it um and and I had really no expectations as far as how that was going to go. Right. I had no no clue really. So um, I think that was a, a big thing that I got out of it. And uh, um, the other thing is, uh, um, you know, how much you can move when it's the right time to move. <laughs> I was shocked, you know, when you when that one was coming in and he was forty yards and he was being blocked. You're like, let's go, and we pretty much ran to get into a better position. Um, and you know, he may have saw us, he may not have, but but I would have, you know, hunting hunting any other animal, yeah, I would have never done something like and that. And we actually got in even position and stopped him at, with a clear shot at yeah. sixty, yeah, twice, right? So mm-hmm. uh, if you don't make those moves, they walk out of your life. Yeah. And, and you're right, I think that was... And I would have never thought to do that, because I would have just thought he would have been instantly gone by moving that much. One of the first times with Luis, when we were hunting together, I literally grabbed his pack from behind and moved him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To a window. To a shooting. Mm-hmm. That That's what I did. That's what I did with uh, Sean yesterday. I mean, we... That bull was at 170, 180 yards. And we went full-blown sprint, and I was manhandling the whole way right in front of me, mm-hmm. right? So, one, we're in line with each other. We're buying and cover. I can still – I have eyes on him, and Sean's going, oh, do I knock an arrow? And he has an arrow flailing in the air. <laughs> do I knock the arrow? Gonna, just come on. <laughs> but it put us in a position, you know, when that bull come up and he stopped, he was at 43 yards. He just didn't give us vitals, you know. I, I think a good point from what I, when I heard – and this was really cool. It just hit me is that – I think you guys did do a good job on your diligence on developing your baseline with the calls, which made it so much easier to make small changes exactly. when we had you. Yeah, because you hadn't done nothing. It, oh, we'd have been, it, it, we'd you should have. In 30 you minutes, we had him. Uh, Cody coming back through the field today right. with his cow calls. Oh, I heard, heard him. Didn't sound like a cat. No, sorry. Every time when we were walking through the woods, like every time he'll make the the sounds, and I was like, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Today, every time. Today with Bob as well, when we're up on the ridge, you know, I'd say, all right, give me a couple cow calls, and I'll blend in with you with some calf. You know, we're putting on a little show up there, and man, he was solid, dude. Really good. Could sound just like a mature cow, and. I was uh I was really pleased. With, I think the coolest thing like I saw with Cody was 
you know, that's the great thing as coaches, like what you were saying before, is by us being able to give him the examples to see and hear, the next thing I notice is that He's taking my nuances and yes. adding them to his yeah. repertoire. Yes. And, it starts uh, sounding a little like Joe Gillia, like a lot of us do. It, it was kind of <laughs> it was cool. Like I'd hear his cow calls when he'd be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he started getting the variance. He started getting the spacing. He started getting the Cadence, levels. Yeah, yeah. And then when I started hearing his bugle where he started adding some stuff on mm-hmm. the end of it, I was mm-hmm. like, I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's nice about that, you know, Gilby and Gil always say, you know, sounds like Joe Gillia. But that's the one thing, right, is you get your signature. is you get your own signature on it, right? I hear Luis and yeah, I can hear it, right? But it's Luis and then I hear Gil and uh I know it's Gil, right? It's it's they're singing their own songs to those animals. So that'll you'll develop that man and you'll you'll find your niche and when those elk start coming into that it'll develop even more, even more. I mean that's the base, but yeah. Uh, well yeah, and I I notice that too in in the different callers or the different coaches and how they call everyone has their own unique thing and and some some call softer some call louder and and adapting that to the situations now i i want to give cody props um because you know i think cody has a, a very unique background where you know he's he's hunting knowledge in general is, is pretty elevated and you know we were having really good conversations with regards to his his knowledge on turkey calling you know and and he was like hey man i know uh, you know every elk hunter hates it when you compare it to uh, uh turkey calling and blah blah but i'm like i was actually the opposite i told him I was like i think it's great that you're actually bringing that knowledge set into the conversation and trying to compare it because that association i think it's it makes him stronger so we i mean i saw him uh we had we had a really good conversation about setup the first day the first day i walked out with him in the morning um we talked about getting set up and kind of thinking the different uh possibilities of what the elk would do and what if they respond and what if they respond close versus responding far away and it was more like me asking him questions triggering that thought process um and man he was bam 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 answering all the questions right and i mean he in 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 a few minutes he already had the whole topography evaluated the wind checked and this the um the, awesome. where he was going to be set up right and then and then later that day we you know he told me it's like hey man i think you know it's probably a good opportunity to kind of put a scenario together and we blew we blew a scenario <laughs> And the whole wood, you know, the whole woods heard, heard us. I think these guys were way, way yeah. east to where we were at. And, um, you know, I think it was, it was a great conversation as far as sharing ideas as to how you can progress a scenario from, you know, starting out really soft and slowly kind of building up and, and, and to a fever. Yeah. And it's like I was telling, right? Talking about painting the picture in your head and kind of, imagining how the elk are interacting while that scenario is taking place and how the the scenario is progressing from potentially just cow calls to now after a big party and a big Reasy. fight they all left yeah. and now you got a lost a lost calf in you know behind it so just 
you know, having those conversations to me was super unique because and that's fun stuff. It, it was. It was. I mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, keeps you keeps you occupied during the slow times of the day <laughs> exactly. too. You know, and and talking through the scenario and then actually doing the scenario, you can't learn that from yeah. from. Watching we did YouTube, Bob and I did a breeding so. sequence up there. I wish I would have taped it because it was solid, man. And I mean, we were right from raking the tree to the hot cow to him glunking, chasing her around, displaying. I mean, the whole nine yards, and it was really good. And then he was like, "Man, to see that, to see it and hear it is so different, right? You can and, and to try to do it yourself is a whole nother level, right?" And I, I told him, I said, "Well, that's." This is where we start. You know, we start small and build that, build that interest. Start painting and, that picture yeah, by start layers, painting that layer picture after layer. By yeah. layer, right. And, um, I, I've taught, been taught to be a lover before a fighter. And then, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you gotta throw the baby out with the bathwater and just go <laughs> fight her straight up. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, some things aren't working, right? So uh, I've been with Knox and he's not, you know, he's not a, a huge, caller by any, a very good caller but he uses his woodsmanship and understanding of the elk movement to move in position and kill a lot of elk but when he's got to go to that call man he's lethal with it you know and and sometimes i've seen him go well ain't this ain't working so let's get that freaking hyper call out and go to work right <laughs> and and all of a sudden here they come you know so, so manano i'd like to have a conversation with your dad because this was his first experience yeah, he wanted to say some words so yeah we yeah. can translate it i'm extremely appreciative and uh elbro's family my son manano for giving me this wonderful opportunity y participar en esta cacería que entiendo muy pocas personas tienen el privilegio de to to be able to participate in this hunt that as i see it now and understand it that is a privilege and very little people has the privilege to uh, enjoy it gracias a todos no pude conocerlos bien por el idioma tengo dificultad thank you to everybody I, I apologize I couldn't meet all of you very well because of the language limitations pero que entendía muchas cosas porque el lenguaje de los cazadores es universal but I was able to understand a, a lot of things because the, uh, the the language of the hunters is universal and I, I could understand a lot of things because of that and all hunters were all a, a big family and I can't thank you enough for uh, everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, echo this. Just let him know that <clears throat> the real leader of the Venezuelan That's mafia right. came to camp. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the real que el, leader. Que él quiere que sepa que él está muy contento porque el verdadero líder de la Venezuela mafia está aquí en el campamento. That's right. <laughs> let, let me ask Raul. Mm. What were three things that he realized coming okay. out here with us. Uh, first things the first thing the professionalism and the technique of the team as hunters and how organized the camaraderie and, and the feeling of a family 
Ah, y por supuesto, rodeado de este gran paisaje, este gran país, ah. es bellísimo todo lo que vi. And obviously, Tuve la oportunidad de ver 20, 22 incredible um, scenery and this incredible country. Uh, I, I was blessed with the opportunity to see that the, the elk, and it's many elk. And 20, that's 22 actually. <laughs> 22 elk. You probably saw more elk than everybody in camp. <laughs> which is usually the case, right? He felt like he couldn't understand why you can, you know, harvest an animal with, with a rifle, you can just simply yeah. shoot it and then <laughs> harvest it. Because, because of a private land. So yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, 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 that for him it was hard to kind of understand all the different boundaries and the stuff that we deal There's with. There's no fence like there. Yeah, yeah, there is power. Yeah. 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 It's not visible, but it's yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> he, he said he felt like just grabbing the the bow and run after them and just shoot them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we felt that way. Yeah. 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 Sometimes I feel like Yo throwing también. my bow. At you. Yo yeah. 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 Uh, out here in your experiences with the animals and out there in the woods and, and, and doing that. The, 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 three, the three biggest things that are growth things for you guys, probably. I mean, if somebody else said, okay, so you went and had this experience, right? Um, and I'm thinking about it. What do you, what would you tell them are probably going to be their biggest takeaways? I mean, we've already talked about them, Joe, really. I mean, the, the importance of the calling. Especially if you're not guided, if you're a solo hunter or hunting with somebody else, a partner, somebody's got to have some calling skills for sure if you're bow hunting. Um, and then we already talked about, you know, all the different variables like the wind and the topography and how all that plays into your plan and, uh, and having your plan. Um, those were the two big ones for me. What about you, Cole? Um, the plan. Um, the setup, making sure you're in the right spot. I think that was uh, one of the a big takeaway. Um, the variation and bringing the calls together. Um, it's one thing to learn the call, but can you speak the language? Um, and then, uh, um, and then, uh, um, I can't get over how much you can move when it's the right time to move. I, I just can't get over that. Really so. Yeah, go back to Cody talking about the setups. That's the other thing too is, is like, as you're, as you're going through, as you're hunting, I mean, you gotta constantly be on the lookout for setups and thinking about shooting lanes and different things like that that you don't necessarily have to do when you, when you rifle hunt, uh, or hunt from a stand. Um, but you know, trying to find the best position, trying to figure out where the wind's coming from, where, the, you know, the elk are gonna, where you're gonna, where the elk potentially are gonna come from, and then making sure you're in position with, you know, something blocking your backdrop, and then having good shooting lanes associated with that too. You know, you gotta constantly be thinking about those things as you're walking through the woods. So dynamic. It's right? simply as cleaning the area beneath your feet. So if you do have to move, you don't make big crunches and big pops and sounds, right? So it's just some simple, simple things that a lot of people don't think about. Making a little clearer spot for yourself to make a move if you need to. It's not going to sound like cornflakes when you step on it. And, and, and it's okay to stop and think exactly. before you act. And if you don't stop and think, 
I mean, you got to think quick, but you still got to stop and think before you make that action. Because if you don't think out your scenario before you get over that knoll, you might be in the wrong spot. I, you know, I had uh, you and Kev with me, Kevin, and uh, you guys are always asking questions all the time, man. I mean, I really appreciated the questions that as we were going through, you know, picking my brain and why we did this and why, you know, the different things. And, and Kevin, you did the same thing. So during that time of all that questioning, what were the, the three biggest takeaways for you? One thing that was obvious is you're an extremely good caller. You know, I mean, everybody knows that, but it's pretty evident when you get in the woods that you know your way around the call. But, um, I don't know, I just enjoy learning things, but like Bob and and others have said, you know, uh, being proficient with your calls and, and uh, helping with some of the setups or, you know, potentially where they may or may not bet or why they're traveling here and there, you know, any of those things. All right, so expand on that because I think that that's critical because, I mean, we would be in a position like uh, we're, we're up high early in the morning and you're like, okay, so... So, you know, one of the dilemmas that I, I still have is, you know, in the morning in the mountains, your thermals are going to be going up, the animals are going up. I mean, sorry, the thermals are going down, but the animals are going up. Right. So if you're following right on their their tail, you know, if there's a straggler, you're going to get caught. So you want to attempt to parallel them if, it, if it's possible. But then when you get up there, you know, at some point when the sun comes out, the thermals are going to switch on you. So you got a, a limited time, but, you know, things have to be orchestrated well to have it work out because... You know, I mean, there's a reason animals do what they do because, you know, their, their whole purpose is to survive. So there's a big thing that I want to talk about that's hardly ever talked about that we had a big conversation about here at camp. And when we came in on day one, we could hear bugles from a mile away. Um, and then the next day, you know... Uh, me, you, and Josh went to a location that generally when I call there, I can hear bugles all through that drainage there, even across the, you know, across the highway to the other side, I could hear bugles. And yet, we really, that day, even though there were four bulls in that drainage coming up to us, we couldn't hear them till they were probably 200, 250 yards away. And until then, until they got within there, we couldn't hear that. And you guys were having the same experience. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah, we had the same conversation that day. The high pressure came in, yeah. and that drives the, the pressure bars up, so your sound doesn't travel as far. The uh, And then the wind came. So when you got wind and all the other noises, I mean, we could literally, when it's quiet, we can literally hear a dog bark for over a mile away. And, I mean, it's like it's in your hip pocket when he barks, right? And whines. And whines, yeah. I mean, you can hear him. Confuses you every yeah. time. And it's like, oh, is that a bull mule? Yeah, what was I that? I mean, like, oh my gosh. So you could actually hear that, but as soon as that high pressure came in on us and these winds came, everything is very suppressed. And to where, I mean, you can hear a bull sometimes 100 yards from you know, depending on how thick the portion, on how right? thick, yeah. yeah, and whether you're above him or below him, I mean, for sure. And I wanted to bring that up because I think there's a lot of people that things can change. And how many times I've never thought about barometric pressure. Yeah, well, I've been yeah. hunting for 41 seasons. Luis came in and he had the same experience as Gil and the same experience as me out with our guys that day. And I'm 
updated the weather, and boom, it was almost at 31. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, here it is, boys. And as soon as I said it, Gil chimed in on it, too. And it was, I mean, we all had the same experience. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, and I want people to hear that because that's something to think about. A lot of times, because we're not hearing the it response, that they're not making it doesn't mean that they're not responding. And, and, yeah. and the, the trigger for me was the, the previous morning, we could all hear each other's yes. views. Oh my God! On stepping over. Yeah. yeah. It, even though we were in different ridges and, and over a half mile yeah, away. And, oh, right, yeah, yeah absolutely. A mile. A mile. Yeah. And then this that morning, it was extremely quiet. quiet. And um, you know, I, when I <clears throat> when we bugled that morning, uh, Cody bugled that morning. It was a loud bugle, and I'm like, Gilbert's texting me, and he's saying. Not over here. Can can you hear anything? I'm like, because he's above us. N- and I said no. Um, but then I realized Gilbert didn't hear us. And then Gilbert's like, about to bring the party on, you know. And then he started. He said, "I was like, man, threw up. You know, made a huge party up here." And I'm like, man, we didn't hear you at all. And so I'm like, I told Cody that day. I said, Cody, there's got to be something with the atmosphere, with the pressure, with the atmospheric pressure that is dampening the sound across the board. It's got to be something like that because it's just strange the behavioral change, or at least what we thought was the behavioral change from one day to the other. And sure enough, when we came back down to camp and had the, we all had the same experience. And he pulled up uh, the barometric, barometric pressure, and it definitely showed it had increased. And it, it affects them too. Yeah, yeah. And, and you you equate that with this high pressure with these big blue skies, lots of wind, you know, and it comes right after some storms. In the first couple of days, we had some definite storms, you know. So I think these are a lot of lessons and the things, and I think people now understand what Elk Rose Adventure Camp is about. <laughs> Um, and hopefully you picked up some nuggets from this and talked about, you know, if, if this is the beginning of their journey, the people that are out there listening to this, there's um, so much that you can do, but we highly recommend, you know, get with a mentor, actually get there with them, um, whether it be, I mean, we have ways of doing things today, you know, where we can do things visually and and through audible things like zoom and stuff like that but man to get out in the different types of terrain to get out and experience those variables to experience those animals and and i know it's hard for a lot of people back east it's hard for somebody from texas so fellas what advice would you guys give to end this show to those people that are starting this journey and and what type how can they get this type of thing even if they don't do it with people like us well, number one is, uh, you know, you gotta be fit enough to get to where the elk are. Number two, you gotta be able to, uh, to draw your bow and shoot an elk when you see one. Um, and then, uh, if you don't have the ability to, um, experience elk camp with uh, elk bros or get some instruction, you know, go with someone that's knowledgeable. Some, uh, some, someone that knows how to call, that knows the, the, the variables, how to play the wind and things like that so you can learn firsthand how to do it. And number one is, uh, in my opinion, is get out there and do it. Just do it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, you only have so many years, and 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 you guys did five days, right? Out of three hundred sixty. So to get a month's worth of learning, yeah. uh, it takes you what five years. 
Yeah. Right? To get a month's worth of learning. So hopefully we've managed to cut that curve out. <coughs> and, Six, and Joe. Most yeah. months have about 30. <laughs> yeah. Not 25. <laughs> yeah, I said about yeah. a month. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> just, just, the keeping the math, just keeping the math. Yeah, that not engineer. All from him, not his math. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he Can still I, thinks we don't understand I, geometry. Yeah, yeah. You know, the the I don't want to choke up because I always do when we talk about this shit. They'll start choking up too. Um, but the the time that that we spend out in the woods and the time we spend in camp, I, I can speak for every one of us here, and it means the world to us. And we appreciate you guys giving us the opportunity to share our knowledge, to spend time in the woods with you, tromp around, carrying our bows, hiking long hikes. Um, it's a big a big big deal to all of us. Uh, so thank you for choosing us to do it, um, and it was an honor and a pleasure. To spend time in camp and in the woods with you guys. Absolutely, absolute honor. I, I can completely. I concur. Yes. With that, you like you know, uh, if you guys like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, and you can check us out at elkbros.com. Um, also, um, Joe, they can uh, get the base camp at elkbros.com. That's www.elkbros.com. Uh, you can also check out our adventure series camps that'll be coming up next year. Uh, looking for bigger and better things next year, Joe. Uh, this has been awesome. It ain't over yet. Don't let the fat lady sing. That's right. Um, not, a, not, not a no shade towards the, the big people because I am one. Uh, <laughs> round is a shape. Right? Uh, at the end of the day, man, we appreciate every one of our hunters in camp, all our coaches. This is our Elk Rose family. I hope you found out that we are, you know, we're just like the next guy. We like having elk camp every week's so while we do the podcast. And our, our, we've also extended our family. We've we've partnered with Body Ridge Outfitters. That's right. And the Moots Ranch over there, and we have coaches that are that are working on private land hunts, yeah. Yeah. and uh, they've been knocking it out of the park while we've and, been here. And we're working on that as well. So, so yeah, yeah, and, and they have they've killed some absolute horses over there. Um, we look forward to seeing what they bring the rest of the year. Um, for sure. I'm looking forward to getting over there and seeing Mr. Baldwin and Ryan and all the guys, Bettis, uh, all the guys here pretty quick. So, um, but like we say in the Lone Star State, Colonel Bob, husbands, kiss your wives, wives, kiss your husbands, hug your babies, keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Peace, peace, y'all. Peace. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.